Hello, happy Holi! Welcome back to Weekly Gupshap with Circular Collective. I'm your host and those, Shri Priya Shridharan. And I am Piyush Thawan. And together, we bring to you intriguing examples from around the globe in the context of sustainability and circular economy, where India and our citizens can take inspiration from. Well, uh, in the previous episodes and the previous Gupshaps, we already spoke about how Textile industry is the second most polluting industry in the world. Now, you may ask me, like, abhi textile Q, what is the signature product in Holi? It's colors. So, when we visualize clothes, I think most of us see the vibrant colors present in our closet, right? So, it, it could be the types of colors that we choose to identify with. And where do you think these colors come from? Today, the colors that we see in most consumer products, be it cosmetics, it could be clothes, paints, food, dyes, etc., etc. All of these are derived from petrochemicals, which are created through the manipulation of the fossil fuels. Now, the flaw in this process is that these release harmful gases long after they have dried, and it could cause respiratory problems as well as pollution and these respiratory problems actually directly impact the workers who are involved in the process of creating those fabrics right synthetic dyes also pollute water and harm the aquatic life as the chemicals leach into the water and this poses a major threat to the health of the entire ecosystem so let's put that into perspective today there are 7 billion people on our planet consider each of them own minimum three clothes. So that makes it 21 billion clothes on the planet. So you can do the math of the amount of colors, synthetic colors that are used. And if you're someone who probably doesn't like repeating clothes, you have probably 365 clothes in your closet every year. And we don't need to do the math. You get the point. So all in all, Synthetic colors that leach into the water are like slow poison. And it affects all stakeholders connected to water. In short, everyone. Piyush, I'm genuinely curious to know, how can circularity solutions be applied to this problem? And if there are solutions, how are they being implemented? Happy Holi, everyone. I'm so happy, Sri Priya, that we are doing an episode on colors and that too from a textile perspective. See, the need for textile fibers is growing and the possibility mm -hmm. to increase the production of virgin cotton is limited. Uh, right. This is because, you know, like the production of cotton is limited by seasonal weather conditions and by the land area available for fiber cultivation. The land area is needed to cultivate food, you know, like to feed the increasing population and therefore increasing cotton cultivation is just not feasible. The cultivation of cotton also has a higher envi environmental impact, which needs to be considered by looking for alternatives and more environmentally friend friendly uh, sources for the textile industry. 
Interestingly, since 2016, uh, European Union legislation has forbidden the landfill disposal of organic materials, including textile waste. So this is very interesting. Uh, the member states of the EU also will be required to set up a separate collection for discarded textiles by 2025. And this has created the need to recycle textile waste. I hope such a policy mm. comes up in India and in our countries as well. You know, like otherwise, if you go to any landfill, you'll see a bunch of clothing material torn, which no one wants. So I am really, you know, like looking forward to what the EU delegation um, is coming up with. And wow. in order to aim, you know, like to create methods for fiber recycling, the question of colors in waste textiles is the focus, you know, whether the color should be kept or, sh or should it be removed while recycling textile fiber. I think this is a very interesting topic. And we it definitely is. need more knowledge, you know, like for a better color management in a circular economy approach. And thanks to our color festival, I really started thinking about pigments and whether the colors mm -hmm. are natural or synthetic. And you would find, you know, like a bunch of organic color producers now selling and happy that they're doing it. But the, the question still remains, what happens after the color festival is over? What happens after Holi is over? You know, like they would, of course, go down our drain. Um, and this, this, the similar situation applies to our textiles as well, like with a lot of colors and dyes leaching out to our water bodies every day. And this is the challenging part. So on an, on an industrial scale, dyeing and decolorizing textile fiber has a high environmental impact. The process consumes chemicals, energy, water, and generates a lot of wastewater. So ideally, we need to know already, you know, like at the manufacturing stage, what is going to happen to the fabric and the dye when the textile turns into waste. And I wonder if anyone is really doing it, you know, like, because we really don't understand what materials are there, who made it, what sort of dyes are there. It is just, you know, like a clothing. I wish we have more information in the clothes that we buy. And if the textile fiber will be bleached, you know, like, or does it need to be re-dyed? Can we use easily removable dyes uh, when we are recycling these ways? So no, we essentially have no information whatsoever about the use and what happens after we have used these products. And uh, one of the ways, you know, like what people do is they would put a darker color shade for, for recycling. Essentially, it all becomes black after one mm. or two cycles, you know. The idea is not to just put everything black and then what happens to the black black cloth, you know. It, it anyways then goes to a landfill. So the challenge is really... Uh, to really understand the manufacturing process. And I liked, you know, like what Professor Kirsi Nimimaki from Alto University said, and this is what he said, I quote, for us to be able to use textile waste, we need information on what kind of fibers it contains, what kind of dyes and methods it needs, it has dyed with, and what kinds of chemicals has been used in the process. This information should be collected at the manufacturing stage and stored alongside the textile fiber until it reaches the end of the life cycle. And I think it's very interesting and very important what he said, because Indeed. especially if you see the dyeing industry alone, you know, uh, it contributes to approximately 20% of the global industrial water pollution. And this is what leading brands and the suppliers need to rethink, you know, like how how they can change even by just addressing colors and pigments in their in their manufacturing process. 
So I could come across Sri Priya to be honest only with uh, one example, and mm-hmm. this is something very interesting. There is an organization by the name of Color Colorifix, um, a company that has come up with radically different dyeing processes using synthetic biology, which eliminates the use of chemicals and significantly reduces the amount of water used in textile manufacturing. And uh, it's essentially a lab-grown colors. You know, like mm-hmm. now there's this idea of lab-grown meat, so they are growing lab-grown colors. Interestingly, using only uh, organic colors and identifying, you know, um, like what happens to these colors after the waste after the textile goes to waste. So I think they're very, very, very interesting example. I would urge you to go and look more for it and see how the process is. Here's a food for thought. Maybe if you have already played uh, holy and your your clothes are already soiled, then one needs to really think what happens to our clothes which are soiled now, and um, <laughs> can we really recycle the clothes with with which you you know like we played holy uh, on Monday? Yeah. Interesting, interesting, Piyush. In fact, while you were um, mentioning about the the example, it struck me that. Uh, uh, in the book that I read, Cradle to Cradle, they do mention having certified certain companies who are into textile uh, textile dyes got themselves Cradle to Cradle certified. Uh, dear listeners, I am going to share that link with you guys so you can check it out. And another example that uh, popped up, as you were mentioning about the process around this, is mm-hmm. during an Abundance 360 event that happened uh, mm-hmm. in 2020, I think last year, in April, there was uh, there was an organization by the name Spira, and it's pretty interesting. There is an algae called spirulina. So the solution of Spira is that um, the algae, the process, the algae is grown, it is dried, and it is then powdered. And that particular powder is used as an alternative to petrochemical dyes. So they are uh, still um, finding ways to diversify the use of it. Right mm-hmm. now, uh, that Spira dyes are now used as a food colorant as well as in cosmetic industries. And uh, it kind of um, made me interested to look at more of it. And that's how I mm-hmm. started talking about it to my mom. And my mom said, spirulina is used a lot in India. It's it's a part of your Ayurvedic medicines. And that's when I realized it's such a simple solution that um, probably we lack awareness about. It's, it could be a byproduct in a lot more uh, items that we consume every day and it goes uh, unnoticed, right? And it's just an algae, an algae that can be grown. And what was another um, good insight that I learned was those guys were kind of promoting small-scale farmers to kind of uh, create a monetized, a monetized model around it so that they can farm mm-hmm. spirulina because it's, since it's an algae, the process of growing it is simpler and they are kind of enabling them to then get into the trade of it. So it's pretty cool. And as you know, US market um, is definitely an opportunity for many many exporters in the developing nation. And this kind of creates not only a sustainable source, but also then generates an income source for a lot more people Mm -hmm. who would be interested into getting into the solution, right? So I I really like that. And um, I think colors is a never ending topic and colors are a part of our life. And um, Mm -hmm. little did we think about it from the perspective of the planet. 
while we see mm. a vibrant color in nature every day mm. we we mm. at times forget to notice about the other uh, synthetic colors that kind of blind us and we mm-hmm. we fall into the trap of uh, wanting more of it right so it's it's sure. a pretty good example and i hope this holy gives us all uh, a nudge to think sustainably and not only go mm-hmm. green probably go more conscious and with that Very it's good. a wrap on our episode mm-hmm. today hope you enjoyed all your holy delicacies while listening to this episode and um, do reach out to us we are pretty much active on both linkedin as well as twitter you can uh, reach out to me on circularbusinesspodcast.india@gmail.com and our twitter handle is let's go circular piyush where can they reach out to you sure so you could reach out on uh, linkedin so we have our the circular collective linkedin page and also you can write an email um, info@thecirclercollective.com and thank you so much listeners for tuning in do share with us what are your thoughts about this episode thoda hatke tha but i hope we grabbed your attention thanks again and see you soon oh by the way i'm relying on you to help me spread the word right tell at least two friends your family members and even your close ones about us and show them how to download the podcast and how to find circular business podcast india and if wherever you are allows you to then please subscribe to our podcast it is free and it only means that you will get every episode automatically don't forget our hashtag #circularbusinesspodcastindia or #cbpi thank you for listening and we'll see you soon